0: Welcome to the PR Week, PR Week's regular weekly roundup of everything that matters in the worlds of PR and communications. My name's Steve Barrett. I'm the Editorial Director of PR Week. and i guide you gently through the last show of the year, listeners. Yes, we've got to the end. We've made it just about. And uh, it's been a, a fascinating year, tough year. But uh, lots of great podcasts. Thanks for supporting us and being with us through the year. We'll have a sort of highlights show next week, but this is the last uh, major interview of the year. And we've got a really fantastic guest as a big finish. But first of all, Frank Washgook, my co-host. How are you doing, Frank? Are you all ready? Nearly done? Drawing a line under it all? Very, very
1: close. Can see the end in sight, Steve.
0: We well, yeah, are you, most importantly are you looking forward to our holiday party? Of course so, I am and it's uh it's it, I'm looking forward to the food. Uh it's a great restaurant so looking forward to it. It is. Yeah. It is. Terrific. Well, and, and we always have fun at the holiday party, don't we? Yeah. We we force ourselves to. So <laughs> we'll see who who behaves well, who behaves badly. We've had a few stories over the years but um it's uh, it's a new world now so it's very no very here, civilized. Though. No, definitely not. <laughs> Was a colleague who, who, woke up in the bathrooms at four in the morning, wasn't there. But uh, hey, anyway, let's um, we'll reflect on twenty three and look forward to twenty four, and uh, we'll talk about Weber. It's one uh, the Walgreens business. Uh, another sad uh, death in the PR community. Really, really terrible year for losing people. And uh, Jonathan Gueran uh, from Mars and United Airlines passed away. At, uh, The young age of forty nine. We'll talk about this box bolling craze. What's driving that? Celebrity influencers. Edelman has appointed a new chief creative officer. Hinge has hired a VP of global comms. And we'll talk about a couple of updates at trade bodies, the Diversity Action Alliance and the PRSA. But let's get into our fantastic guest. It's Kiwan Wilkins. He's EVP and Chief Communications Officer at Nike. Kiwan welcome to the show great to have you with us thank you thank you first of all um Steve and frank i want to say thank
2: you for for having me it's such an honor to be here um i'm excited to sit with you guys and um even more excited to hear about how your holiday party ends up <laughs> <laughs> yeah.
0: Yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah it's great to have you with us and obviously uh, iconic company and uh, you've been a big part of that over the last 18 years. And then a year ago, you took over the top role from Nigel Powell. We inducted him into the PR Week Hall of Fame last December. That was a great night. And then you took over this calendar year. So you've been in the job about a year. How different is it doing, you know, being the, the top player on the team, if you like, and it, of course it is a team, rather than being part of that team? What, were the, what are the biggest differences you've uh, you've noticed?
2: Yeah, first of all, I'll say um, you know it's such an incredible honor to be in this position, and even more so of an honor to have been mentored um, by such a giant in the industry in terms of Nigel Powell. Um, I've had the pleasure of working alongside him for uh, you know nearly eighteen years and learned so much from him both professionally and personally. I couldn't have asked for a better uh, setup for me to be put in this position. Um, Just forever grateful for just his investment in me and just the time that he spent to continue to push me and ultimately have me in this position that I'm in right now. But in terms of the year, I think it's fair to say that it's um, been the most um, impactful year in terms of my professional career. It's um, certainly been one that had the biggest change. And um, with that, obviously, uh, my role Itself, how uh, I operate, how I'm viewed uh, within the company and the organization, and even externally, has shifted a little bit, and that has required more adjustment on my side. To be honest with you, um, I think in terms of you know how things are going, it's been a wonderful year from that standpoint. But I think the biggest adjustment that I've had to to make was really catching the rhythm of things. right? And, um, and what, I be- what I mean by that is that I've been so accustomed to being fortunate to play significant roles throughout my career um, on the team. But that shifts when you are ultimately the one um, everyone is looking towards. Everyone is looking to for direction, for uh, final decisions, for sign off. And you have to really intentionally lean into and embrace that role. Those, those responsibilities. So um, as much as it is about the technical side of things, um, that's always stimulating and rewarding to be, you know, in the middle of new and different situations and scenarios and moments every day. But it's another level when you're meant to really take on managing the careers of several hundred people and you got to be able to have a vision that is very clear, right? That everyone Feels like there's value in it. There's a clear point of view and you're ultimately uh, progressing things for them and for the function, right? And so for me, it's really catching that rhythm, right? Um, Knowing when I have to pull up and be more of a visionary and then when I need to uh, come down and really be side by side with someone. So I've enjoyed it. You know, I've learned a ton. Um, I've been very fortunate as well to work with what I would consider the most talented collection of communications professionals in the world. Um, We have, um, you know, it's almost an embarrassment of riches in terms of the skill set that the people within the function here at Nike possess. And I've been extremely fortunate and benefited from having people who are very, very talented to work alongside me. So, it's been a, a fantastic year, and um, I'm excited for 2024, but um, I think this will be such a memorable year for me that I'll be able to draw a pond
0: for for years to come. Yeah, and you've still got to close out those end-of-year financials, which yeah. uh, come in the third week of December, which is lovely timing. Um, have you made any big changes, Kiwan, or have you sort of evolved a well-oiled machine? How have you approached it in that respect?
2: Yeah, you know um, – I've made some changes, you know, when I first um, was appointed into the role. Um, I changed just kind of the the roles that um, a lot of the folks on my leadership team played. And you know we do we do a, do that very intentionally, obviously, to continue to advance and grow not only the function but the talent as well. But I've made changes in terms of leadership, uh, various roles continue to evolve a lot of the work that um, Nigel started a couple years ago and carrying out that strategy that we had because we really believe it was the right strategy to implement. And so it's been a lot of that continuing to fine tune and tweak some things. But I think, you know, as any strong comms professional, right, you can never take your eye off the ball. You're always looking to see how you can evolve and get better. And, and I think with the evolution of the media landscape, technology, and things of that nature. It's an absolute must that you're always looking to see how you continue to grow and and evolve.
0: Yeah. And um, what about the relationship with the C-suite and the CEO? We write a lot about how the PR function is now right at the center, giving advice, senior level counsel, and sometimes saying, pushing back, you know, being that sort of voice that speaks truth to power sometimes. Has that been a change for you or was that something that was in the culture anyway?
2: yeah you know um again credit to nigel uh, he's he 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 really did do a fantastic job of positioning this function as a true uh, strategic advisor to the business to the enterprise right and so you know in a lot of ways the the heavy lifting was already done for me it's a matter of me continuing that on and um my relationship with the C-suite, those who are, are now my peer group, has been fantastic. You know, they've always valued comms. Comms has been um, one of the functions that certainly um, is acknowledged for being a key contributor here at Nike. And so being able to speak truth to power, if you will, and, and being a strategic advisor is something that is not only something that we are very comfortable doing, but it's expected of the, the function. As well, and so um, it's been fantastic. You know, I work very closely with our CEO John Donahoe. Report directly to him, and uh, we have a fantastic relationship. And I think he would expect me to do exactly as as, as you mentioned um, beforehand. And and the same was the case with Mark Parker and Nigel Powell. You know, they had a fantastic relationship where Mark and Nigel would engage on a daily basis, and it would be around things that were comms-related, but also things that weren't comms-related, right? And so I think being in this role, you really have to see yourself as not only leading the function, but truly leading the organization along with uh, the rest of your counterparts. But um, it's a role that is is wide in terms of the span and the
0: scope of it. It's been such an extraordinary and somewhat crazy year in in a lot of respects, whether that's what what you do on X, how you respond to, you know, geopolitical upheavals wars the role of purpose or how it's viewed you know both in society and within business and then i can't imagine 2024 is going to be any less less crazy somehow um so how are you and and nike is in a, in a, a unique not only unique but of an extraordinary position in that you have so much brand equity and almost permission to go places where maybe other brands can't but also you've got to make decisions that uh, fit in with all your stakeholders how have you approached all those issues this year and, and and then sort of looking toward next year when it feels like purpose has become not a dirty word but it's certainly become under more pressure as a as a concept and obviously purpose means different things to different people as there's, there's brand purpose and then there's making statements on social issues so sure. just give us a few uh, thoughts on that because everyone really looks to Nike, almost for leadership in that respect. I don't know whether that's uh, a thing you take on gladly, but um, you're certainly one of those unique brands that has permission to do what a lot of others can't.
2: Yeah, and I think um, it's a role that we certainly uh, recognize and we welcome to play that uh, role of really um, helping to lead the world. I think uh, fundamental to sport is um, this idea of, of purpose, of having purpose, right? And we truly believe that you know, sport has the power to move the world forward. And so I think, you know, as, as we look at the term purpose, and there's a whole lot underneath there, the reality of it is that for Nike, it's always been one of the um, foundational elements of, of the brand, right? We've always um, been a champion for people dependent on, you know, various causes in various areas, uh, whether it be um, supporting you know, women athletes, whether it be supporting those in the black and brown communities. And in many ways, um, a lot of what the brand has been able to uh, benefit from has been the result of um, those communities, particularly the black and brown communities. So I think for us, uh, you know, we look at our athletes, right? A lot of our athletes, the majority of our athletes are black and brown athletes. And so for us, purpose is something that uh, not only the consumer, the audiences, the athletes that we work with care about, but it's also something that we cared immensely about. Um, you know, it's very authentic to us. And so I think any brand, what you want to do, you want to find out what is authentic to you, right? What are the areas in which you really care about? What are the areas that you feel as if you can have a, you can contribute to, um, in a way that isn't performative, right? In a way that is very aligned with your values. And, you know, our employees, it's something that they care a lot about. And I think uh, specifically around the de space, um, you're right, it feels as if, you know, the momentum and energy that we saw just a couple of years ago in 2020, after, you know, George Floyd, a lot of that feels like it's, it's waning, right? And I think um, if we're going to have a society, if we're going to have, um, organizations to really set the example and, and, and show leadership, they gotta, they gotta stick to it, right? Um, it's very easy to to do things when everyone else is doing it. but you know when you're the only one, you, you got you know it, it takes a lot of conviction and, and commitment. And so for us, whenever we lend our voice to a topic or to you know cause it's something it's because it's something that we feel like by doing so, we advance the conversation or we advance the work in that space. And so I think um, for us, um, it's something that we you know, we don't take lightly. We think long and hard about where can we show up and add the most value. But it's a, it's a very familiar space for us and is one that we're comfortable playing, a role that we're comfortable playing and we'll continue to do that because it's one of the key um, pillars of, of us as a company.
0: How do you approach something like X, where you know it's a very powerful community, but it's certainly in recent months and since Elon Musk has taken over, has not been a pillar of uh, DE and I. But you know, it's quite the opposite. In fact, there's anti-Semitic tropes on there. There's also there's quite a lot of febrile uh, behavior and people allowed back on the platform. How do you, so as Nike? Do you how do you approach that? Do you say, look, we're not going to advertise there, or what's your what's your policy on? on something like that
2: yeah i think i think you know as i said with any with any organization and and, you know with us i think you have to you know you look at each each individual situation and each individual moment and um you know you have to both zoom out and then also drill down to what what is taking place and what feels like it's compromising the integrity of your message or your brand and a lot of these things are very nuanced right um uh, and and I think um, oftentimes these decisions, you want to make sure you're being very thoughtful and careful with um, the decisions you make and and that and you have all the information and all the facts and you're looking at the big picture. But I do think that, you know, regardless of what it is, we we take that view of looking both, you know, we, we span out and we look out outward and we also kind of, you know, look at specific moments. And so um, I will say this though, their behaviors, their things that we don't stand for, we don't tolerate. We've been very clear in terms of our um, position around anti-racism, you know, anti-Semitic, being anti-Semitic or anti-Semitism, make sure that we're championing equality. Um, And so those are things that we will continue to stand for. And um, unfortunately, we live in a society where you know, those things are showing up and happen far too often. It's almost in many ways you can't escape it, right? You're, you're going to have to confront it at some point or you, you, you're you being in a space where oftentimes behaviors um, that shouldn't be are there. And so I think, unfortunately, that's the world we live in. And, you know, you just have to find how do you navigate that while also um, trying to eradicate a lot of the behaviors and, and mindsets
0: that are hateful and harmful. Sure, yeah. So can I clarify, Do you are you spending on Twitter on X at the moment?
2: You know what? Um, that is a very uh, fair question and a very good question. And um, it's not something that I have um, oversight of or, or remit to. Um, but I think we have a number of platforms, you know, we work with and we you you spend on. But um, I'd have to get back to you on where we currently
0: stand with, with X. Okay, so shifting out a bit and looking at your interaction with the brands because you've got so many amazing brands and and the work that they do it's, it strikes me and I was chatting to some of your team actually at the Hall of Fame event last year about yeah. this for example take Converse as yeah. a brand walk around New York City you'll see yeah. people of all ages uh, classes, uh, ethnicities, uh, sexualities, wearing converse. So it's yeah. me included down to, you know, uh, a, a young skater, which is certainly not where I'm at. And you've almost got to do different communication strategies for each of those audiences, haven't you? And, and you've got a number yeah. of products in that area. How do you approach that? Uh, it's its not like, oh, this is our audience and we go right at them because you've got so yeah. many layers and segments. Yeah,
2: yeah. First of all, um, we can make you become a skater if you want.
0: You know? <laughs> no, you, no, you can't. Yeah, we, my, 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 my aging ankles. There. <laughs> no you one know, wants we to got, see we that. We've got a lot of
2: product there. <laughs> no know? one wants yeah, to see that guy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so,
0: no. You're not going to um, see me on skis either. Newsflash for, for the
2: podcast audience. <laughs> yeah. well, listen. We had we had a number of sports that we make products for. So if skate is not yours, <laughs> then we can try something else. You know? <laughs> no, um, I think you know you hit on something that is, to be honest with you, is one of the things that um, have continued to be a pull for talent here at Nike. I think, which is you know the diversity of the work that you that you have right in front of you, and and it's 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 stimulating because to your point about. Hey, you know, there's various audiences, you know, there's a number of sports when you, you, when you look at um, all three brands in which we operate. Um, and so there's a unique relationship that each individual, um, you know, consumer has with the brands. Right. And so when you think about that then it becomes very fascinating when you start to think about, okay, what does a communication strategy, what does communication support look like? When you when you have an opportunity to connect with so many different audiences, there's something that's unique and common thread, that's a common thread with all of them, which is this connection back to um, sport via emotion, right? Nike is a very emotive company, and that's inclusive of both, Um, of all three, Nike brand, Jordan brand, and Converse brand. Like there's a strong emotion and tie that that those who consume the brands have. And so I think when you look at that, there's commonality in terms of how do you connect with, how do you storytell, how do you engage with audiences? But certainly there's unique ways in which you do that for specific audiences. And it's not just external, that's internal as well, right? And so you think about internally, uh, Nike's been around for 51 years for a very long time. You know, you had a a group that had been here for the most part for you know, the majority of of the company's existence. Now you have we have new generations coming in, right? And so, for the very first time, we have multiple generations. But then you look across the board, we have um you know employees that sit at retail. The majority of our employees are retail. You have. Um, corporate offices that are that are located throughout the world. You have distribution centers. And so, you know, that's another example of how do you tailor communications to target specific audiences, while also making sure there's consistency, there's laddering up to an overarching point of view or narrative or story or etc. And so I do think that's one of the things that becomes very exciting when you think about how we have to communicate in today's day and age. It just gives you so much more to work with and so much more opportunity to to, to play with.
0: Yeah, and talking of uh, sports, other sports, and being in or out, and I have to ask you this since it's been in the press this week: Tiger Woods, he's been with you for 27 years, and uh, there's been a lot of a lot of media coverage of whether he's, you know, his time's coming to an end as a Nike athlete, one of the most iconic athletes associated with you. What what can you give us as a PR exclusive on this one? Well. <laughs> <one. laughs> I'd be a little disappointed in terms of
2: Tiger's (laughs) Tiger's a Nike athlete. I think there's a lot, you know, there's always uh, rumors. We don't spend a lot of time um, addressing speculation and rumors of that nature. Um, um, You know, Tiger's, he's a fantastic athlete. He's done historical things that um, have impacted uh, not only the sport of golf, but the world. And I think we have been um, incredibly proud of you know the 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 partnership that we've had over twenty plus years with him and and continue to be proud of the impact um and the contributions that have been made um we start to think about just kind of you know what him being on the golf course over the years did in terms of um opening up the sport to a whole new generation to a whole new um demographic and and you know just him serving as an inspiring figure to minority kids and, and and others and so but yeah so there's there's always noise out there and and good things that you know when you've been here as long as i have um you become
0: a bit numb to the noise
2: that's out there
0: um just he said uh, i'm still wearing the clothes that was his response yeah. wasn't it yeah um and i guess you've got so a new generation yeah, yeah, you've and uh, you've got a new generation of Woods is coming through to to uh, try and sign up as uh, um, athlete representative. So uh, it's great to chat to you, one And uh, Kiwan,
1: one one follow up for you, um, and I'm curious. And to jump off of what Steve was saying about how you know your brands are such a big part of culture, and um, how do you take advantage of or respond to something like a movie like Air? that was out yeah. this year that, that, you know, my opinion is, is paints Nike in a really positive light.
2: Yeah. So, you know um, again, you know, this is, this is a company that finds itself at the intersection of sport and culture. Right. And so it's something um, you know, there are stories that, that exists um, that athletes embody here that, are relevant to everyone, right? They're universal. This notion of trial and error, chasing after your dream, going after something despite the obstacles that that, that you face, um, the underdog, right? So those are all things that I think as humans, we can relate to, we can experience. It just is expressed via sport. And in the case of air, you know, it's a fantastic movie that, you know, we didn't have any official capacity and it come into life. But I think it was one that celebrated the a, a story, uh, multiple storylines, but something that everyone can relate to. But it also, um, to your point, the company itself, it's a brand that resonates around the world. It's a brand that is something that is very personal to everyone. And I think that that it speaks to sport, right? Sport is one of those things that is one of those universal languages as as, as you all have heard before. And even though we all have our unique Experience and interaction with sport, our own unique relationship with it—we're somehow connected, right, um, to it. And so, it's the beauty, one of the beauties of what it is that we get a chance to do here, um, is bring those stories to life to others. And then when you see it expressed in a movie or through a song or anything like that, it just helps to amplify those messages or, or you know, the things that allow us to, you know, create an invitation for people to connect with um with the brand and with sport.
0: Yeah, I guess you've got other films like Breaking2 where your Ni- your Nike content studios is much more actively yeah. involved in the story yeah. and the production and it's more sort of partner content whereas you've yeah. got other films that are just you know narratives
2: yeah, I think it's just you know storytelling, right? Uh, for yeah. me, um, you mentioned one of the thing you, your question earlier was, um, have I tweaked things or changed things? And I think for me, one of the um, opportunities I feel that we have, um, and I think um, the industry as a whole have, is to do a better job of storytelling, right? Um, I think um, oftentimes, you know, you see things or or, or you we consume. Information is just that, right? It's presented as information or facts, but it's interpreted as storytelling. But if we were really to take a step back and, and assess it, I think as a whole, you know, as an industry, you know, we can do a better job um, storytelling, right? I don't, I don't feel as if there's excellent, consistent storytelling from the communications industry, and uh, for me, I think, you know, there's an expectation that not only Nike that we do that, but we do it to the best, um, or we do it as the best, right? Uh, because we're known as a storytelling company. And so for me, uh, making sure that we're leading the charge of that from a communication standpoint is one of the priorities that I have, in addition to making sure that, um, you know, we do the things that don't allow us to become generic, right? You know, pushing the edges. Um, continuing to um, um, be creative, understanding the power of relationships, those things that are very fundamental um, to any uh, successful comms professional. um, That's really important. But I do think the art of storytelling is something that um, I like to see the industry raise its game around because um, you're seeing it done very well in other forms and other mediums. But from a communication standpoint, you see a lot of just kind of transactional interaction, whether it be old school promotions or publicity. And um, but I just think that you can really challenge ourselves to be better
0: storytellers. Yeah, that, I think uh, you see that sometimes in the quality of films in yeah. the PR Week Awards compared to maybe our campaign or awards or that you see it can even at that level, you know, the way the agencies tell their stories. I think you're right. And I think we can learn from from that but um, yeah we could talk to you for a long way For there's so many things we could talk to you about but uh, we better move on and we'll get your yeah. input into some of these stories. Frank we're doing a, a sort of looking forward to 2024 pod for the first one of the new year so I was maybe from you, just a couple of reflections on 2023 that really stood out for you. Yeah, year.
1: well, it's it's been a in both a fascinating and I think a fr- yeah, I, I think it's fair to say a frustrating business year for a lot of people because a lot of uncertainty hung over the year. Um, I think you see that in a lot of the agency stories that that have come out uh, recently that, that talk about, you know, cutbacks in marketing budgets as people still are trying to sort out what the economy means and whether or not we're, we're heading for a, a soft landing. As the, the Term that's being thrown around a lot now, uh, and whether the strong holiday spending numbers are going to hold up through next year, and I, I think that uncertainty has really uh, it, it been the big buzzword of 2023. Mm. I think looking forward a little bit, I mean, I, I 2024 is another presidential election year; it's going to be crazy. I've heard about. Um, that, yeah. <laughs> and I think in the second half of 23, there was almost a sense of people were taking a deep breath before. <laughs> Getting into 2024, not yeah. that they had time to, but really think it was a bit calm before it was going to get chaotic again.
0: Yeah, I think the new normal is still to be established post COVID, isn't it? Yeah. It's sort of we we got through COVID and then we had a year or two, and now people are thinking, what is the new normal? You can't yeah. just compare to 2019. It's also it's more a cra- complicated than
1: that. Also a uh, uh, crazier for social media is where um, you you think back to. I don't know, 2008 or 2006, 2000, you know, and all of the, the sense of well, brands are figuring out social media and who leads on social media and all that. And in a way, it feels like we're back to that.
0: Mm. Well, it's still figuring out AI and yeah. it still feels like we're 18 months away of really integrating <laughs> that into yeah. what, what, pe- what people do. Yeah. To be
1: fair, I mean, I, there were some predictions early in the year that were that AI would have costed how many yeah, we hundreds of thousands that, of jobs yeah. at this point by now. And that, that has turned out not to be true.
0: Robots so. haven't taken over yeah. yet. Yeah, we were looking back at our 2017 print issue special on AI. That's how far ahead of the game we were. And It's interesting <laughs> to compare what we said then to what's happening now. So, yeah, and we'll do a big focus down on uh, AI in uh, February. So look out for that. Big win for Weber Shandwick, Frank.
1: Yeah, impressive. Uh, Walgreens hired Weber Shandwick as its AOR After a month's long process, Weber started work in September. And they're working, we should point out, for Walgreens alongside its sister pharmacy chain in the Walgreens Boots Alliance, which is Dwayne Reed. Uh, if you're here in New York, you're obviously very... Familiar with Dwayne Reed, So a number of WPP firms were previously working as WBAs, uh, Global Marketing, Communications, AOR, um, working with a number of firms, including BCW, Ogilvy, uh, FGS Global, GCI Health, and Hill and & Olten on PR um, since early uh, 17. And then they defended uh, that account uh, in Twice. 2020. Well, uh, yes. And and the, I'm remembering the, the one during COVID that was very, you know... <laughs>
0: uh widely publicized yeah our Sadoon from Publicis flew over during covid to Chicago and uh that maybe that paid off because they eventually won the they whole company did bit. yeah
1: yeah um and uh it, it look it's a it's a big account it's a really good win for Weber so uh good for them on picking up Walgreens
0: after. yeah the has got most of the creative and media work but uh Weber has won the PR work so um nice win for them and another sad I mean, the theme of the year was, is people dying in the industry at much too young an age. And another one's a report, Frank, um, just uh, last the end of last week. Another sad
1: one uh, for sure is Jonathan Guerin, who is director of U.S. corporate reputation at Mars. Uh, he died at his home in Chicago on December 6th. There are people both from Mars and from the previous places that he worked United uh, Airlines, yeah. Yeah, sending in their recollections of him talking about um, just just what an impactful person was. And also remembering that uh, his favorite cause was animal welfare uh, and encouraging people to donate to that in his memory.
0: Yeah. Thoughts with friends, family, and colleagues there. A new celebrity craze, Frank, um, for something called box Ballin. Is that, has that been, has that craze caught your attention? Have you I, been I, obsessed with it.
1: Uh, no, but, uh, it, it was interesting to read about, um, one of the co-founders of box and talking about it, really like a kind of hustle strategy of, uh, promoting the brand. Now, first of all, he's not a big fan. Uh, and he, and, um, we should say that Jacob Eriksson is the co-founder of the Swedish company uh, who talked to our own Diana Bradley from an Airbnb above Beverly Hills for a quick Q&A that we posted this week. So Boxballing is this sort of uh, head-tethered boxing ball that celebrities have been seen sort of, you know, mock fighting with on social media throughout the holiday shopping season. People like Tom Brady and Ava Longoria. Um uh, Steve Wayne Rooney's on there, so that's putting to rest the rumor. Well, he's that a
0: long standing boxer. It, it, that it was he, that famous time when he got. He was, he'd was he been out with friends and they were sparring at home after a few drinks and he got knocked. Well, knocked I was
1: going to say coaches. it, it put, puts to rest the rumor that Wayne Rooney doesn't work out. The, you
0: know, <laughs> well, he, he, he then did it as a goal celebration at Old Trafford and he scored right. his next goal, which was quite funny. <laughs> anyway, uh, uh, yeah. also. All, all the way from, Yeah, yeah. Uh,
2: <laughs> anyway,
1: it's really interesting because he's um, the co-founder of the company. He's not a huge fan of using influencers. And instead, they sort of, they go really big and they go after celebrities. And, and a lot of it is just doing the video work themselves and doing the promotion themselves and, and reaching out uh, to celebrities through people's own networks. And uh, look, it's, it seems to have paid off for them. They're having a big... Um, just in terms of publicity, they're having a big holiday shopping season.
0: Yeah, I'd love to get your take on this, key one because nobody knows more about sort of influence and working with celebrities than Nike. But, you know, it, it can be fraught with dangers if you pick the wrong influencer or um, if it's inauthentic or if, uh, you know, a sports we've seen many sports people, you know, uh, involved in bad behavior what's your take on that and where are we at i've seen people this week saying the future of marketing is purely inf- celebrity influencers. that's that's all there's going to be in 10 years which i don't which i don't believe personally but where are you at on this
2: yeah no um we have a, a an entire group obviously um that manages that and and, and look after you know um, identifying who are the celebrities that we partner with but I'll say this. um, You want to make sure that there's an authentic connection to your brand, right? And um, they embody the same values and same philosophy that you have. At least that's the way we look at it. And, um, you know, we've had um, tremendous relationships with um, various um, influencers slash catalysts is what we call them over here, whether it be someone like a Travis Scott or Drake. Then equally, you know, we have athletes obviously that we work with. And so I do think that, it is something that um, you look at to um, help to amplify a presence that you may have or a message that you have. But I do think that at the end of the day, you got to have the substance too, right? It has to be this arrangement that is the substance plus all the exciting things that can attract a broader audience. And that's, that's how we look at, you know, those relationships. And and honestly, I think working with them, we gain a lot of other insights as well. Right. And so it's, it's a, it's a true relationship where they push us, we partner with them and it's a mutually beneficial relationship, but we certainly are very thoughtful around the, um, Catalyst that we work with, the athletes that we work with, but it's, yeah. a, it's a much smarter group than me that that is
0: responsible for it. <laughs> catalyst yeah. is a good word, good word. Yeah. Frank, we we didn't mention Taylor Swift in our twenty three roundup, which is remiss of us because if there's been one sort of catalyst for uh, increasing uh, attention on uh, certainly the Kansas Kansas City Chiefs. Mm-hmm. It's uh, it's Taylor, isn't it? It's just incredible. I suppose you don't know how that's going to end, though, do you? Because it's of the, the big question. <laughs> <I said. laughs> um, with with Both on,
1: on the field and off. Yes,
0: indeed. That's uh, all I'm
1: going to say but, before. But my, incredible my hate power mail arrives. In my, uh, incredible power. It sure is.
0: And uh, we would never knock Swifties on this show. We're big fans. <laughs> We're, we know much better. Um, all right, let's uh, a couple of interesting uh, people stories. One at Edelman. One at Hinge.
1: Yes, um, Edelman. has has promoted Taj Reed to U.S. Chief Creative Officer, um, and uh, he is going to keep his position as well as Global Chief Experience Officer, looking to unite the PR firm's creative teams across design, digital experience, and creative. Uh, he's also going to work closely with and report to the Global Chief Creative Officer at Edelman, Judy John. Um, now, he is taking over that role from Jordan Atlas, who has stepped into the role of Global Executive Creative Director. You mentioned over at Hinge, they've hired uh, Tamika Young as VP of Global Communications. Uh, She is a veteran of Netflix and Spotify. Uh, And Young will lead Global Communications Strategy as they try to show up authentically. Uh, for the Gen Z and LGBTQIA plus communities around the world. And Hinge is a dating app, yeah? Yes, and um, Young will report to CMO Jackie Jantos uh, and oversee the comms team across corporate brand, consumer, and
0: trust and safety. It's great to see uh, black PR pros coming into the chief creative officer role at the biggest agency in the world and uh, high-profile brand CCO role. But uh, key one is you mentioned this earlier, you know, since 2020, it does seem to have waned a little bit, the focus on this. And I know it causes a lot of frustration because it's almost gone back a little bit to what it was before then. And it's so important to keep the, the PR industry representative of the overall population. And, you know, in many ways, it still isn't, is it? What's your take on that?
2: Yeah, I think there's, um, you know, there's still work to be done. You know, and I think that's the understatement of the day, right? Um, kudos mm-hmm. to to those organizations on their hires, um, but you know, I think we, we need to see more of it. If I'm being honest with you, we need to see more representation that that is that is diverse um, across the board. And I think if 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 the industry is truly going to um, you know serve as um, a model for others to follow, and if it's going to truly attract the best talent and and Show up as um, you know a profession that folks desire to to be in. It has to hire folks that uh, are reflective of of the broader population. And so I think um, there's a lot more work that needs to be done. Um, but it's it's always I'm um, exciting to hear um, of moves um, that that you know suggest that there's progress uh, being made. But yeah, certainly certainly more work to be done.
0: Do you think there's there's a particular side of the industry that's doing better you know the client side versus the agency or is it uh, just across the board yeah i think
2: i think it's across the board i think i think across the board you you know you have to you have to do better and it's not you know i i would also say it's the um even when you think about that that the relationship and the interaction between client and agencies you know it's like hey if you're if you're an in in-house side um you, need you to challenge your Yeah. Yeah. And you need to say, Hey, we, we need, we need uh, representation. And it's not just for the sake of representation, but it's truly to bring in diversity of thought, right? Diversity of experiences, because you're going to get a better product by doing that. And so I just, I just think that it's going to require everyone staying committed, working together on it, because otherwise um, this is all going to, um, you know, we're going to find ourselves right back in, 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 you know, in the same place that we've been and, and, having the same conversation. So is it going to take true commitment and true belief in the fact that, Hey, you know, we are all better together than, uh, I'm not so.
0: Yeah, yeah. I, I was lucky enough to visit you uh, all at the Nike campus last year, and you just walk around there. It's just a diverse environment. That's yeah. it's just a diverse cultural environment, and it's not like we're it's not a numbers game at all. It's just yeah. um, it's just organic and authentic. And you you're absolutely right that that needs to be the same at the agencies and the especially the agencies that um, you're going to be hiring and uh, and other brands like that. Yeah. So yeah. Absolutely. totally agree. Frank, just to finish off a couple of little notes, one not unrelated, actually, to diversity uh, about trade bodies. Um, talk us through those.
1: Yeah, uh, and this is mostly about PAGE, which, of course, is formerly known as the Arthur W. PAGE Society. They're expecting a $300,000 loss on the Diversity Action Alliance this year, and they're saying that's because of softer members- membership donations and fundraising than they had expected. And I, I think this really does bring to light the fact that Uh, You know, organizations, agencies and and all kinds of different groups are spending less money on this. Um, than uh, widely expected. And I, I think it unfortunately does show how the momentum has waned. Um, so a little bit more on this. So uh, Page manages the DAA's finances and they provide it with some back office support, but it actually doesn't own the coalition. Um, and organizations, uh, you know, from the PR Council to the Grant Foundation of the PRSA are also on the DAA board. Um, but DAA, is a, it's an industry coalition uh, that's financed by donations from member organizations uh, and fundraising as well as payments from signatories. Uh, so seeing that they're projecting a loss of that that big is, is both surprising
0: and it's disappointing. Yeah. It is... It's- And speaks to what we've been talking about, Mm. actually. Yeah, and then just finally on the PRSA in LA, they've appointed their first Gen Z board member. So, oh uh, yes, so that's uh, that's an interesting development and and another.
1: And and you should you should it's a very interesting Q and A that Angela Herrera did uh, with our own uh, Jess Ruderman, who she's going to be the youngest board member at PRSA LA. And when she starts uh, on January 1st, and she is looking forward to bringing what she's calling fresh perspectives and leadership diversity uh, to the group. And um, it is good to see people of the younger generations getting involved in organizations like this and bringing their own flavor
0: to it. Yeah, big shout out to our Gen Zeitgeist series managed by Jess and you and and Brandon, because it's really on fire at the moment. Yeah, I second that and I think it's gotten a lot more attention
1: and I think it has really brought out a perspective that you don't see published in a lot of places throughout mm-hmm. the industry and um, it is important for uh, old fogies like myself to be, uh, you know, seeing what the expectations are from Gen Z and also seeing where they bring their wisdom to things like with um, with one we had this week about, uh, you yeah. know, whether, you, whether a brand should show up on X versus TikTok um, and it's really insightful stuff. So they're doing a great job with
0: it. Mate, if you're an old fogey, then I'm in my coffin. Uh, so that's all I <laughs> say to you. <laughs> um, listen, Kiwan, it was fantastic to chat to you. And I know it's a busy week for you leading up to your results and to the end of the year. So I really appreciate you taking time out. We wish you well for the holidays and uh, come back fighting in 2024. It's going to be another mad one.
2: <laughs> Thank you guys and um, appreciate it and, and you know happy holidays to you too and um, you know be safe and hopefully you all can get some rest.
0: We'll try. We shall try if we survive the holiday pay. Um, <laughs> uh, just a couple of reminders: the PR Week Awards are on the 14th of March in New York City. The 25th anniversary awards going to be a big one. Fantastic shortlist. Great work. Come and celebrate that. That and the industry uh, healthcare awards. You've got a final deadline coming up in January, so don't miss out on that one. Same with the Women of Distinction. You, um, have, uh, you're have you coming up to the uh, final deadline on that one in January. And then in London on the 15th of May is the PR Week Global Awards. So that'll be a great event. You've got until sometime in January to get your entries in for that. So lots of things to work on uh, when you get back in January or if you've got a bit of downtime this week. But that's all we got time for. We'll see you next time on the PR Week.